Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Middle Madness, a podcast about Texas Tech basketball. This is the fourth installment of the Player Profiles series. Kind of crazy to think about how quickly we are knocking these out, but more importantly, how close we are to Texas Tech basketball. I mean, less than two months away now. We're already in the month of October, which means next month there will be college basketball. That's super exciting. And today, we've got a handful of guys that I'm really excited to talk about because I think that this is a really important position group. I think this is an area where Mark Adams has been very intentional about his recruiting. And so I'm excited to dig into these guys. We're going to be talking about kind of like the wings, dash forwards. Two of these guys are clear-cut wings. One of them is kind of a question mark. And then we're going to talk about Robert Jennings. But that's a lot of words from me. Allow me to introduce my co-host, Emery Lida. Emery, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Uh, just saw Tech's throwback reveal for this weekend. It was a very nice, well-put-together video by Tech Creatives, as always. And, man, I mean, throwbacks, there's nothing better nothing better than them. But anyways, that's on the football field. But more importantly for me, I'm excited to talk about these Texas Tech wings. I think, like you, this group has a lot of potential. I'm excited to kind of dive into what they have. I mean, even though one of them, which we'll get into, I'm not, I don't really personally consider him much of a wing, but regardless, these guys all have intriguing skill sets. And again, it's something that Mark Adams can build his rotation off of. And really something that you can look at this year's really intriguing pieces as to how they evolve over the course of the season, what skills they bring. And we're excited to talk about it. Obviously we've previewed a lot of these guys throughout the off season, but just being able to recap what they can bring to the table and how they're going to fit into this year's rotation is something I'm really looking forward to. And just, again, we're less than, we're only about a month away from the start of the season. That's just crazy to think considering it felt like it was going to be forever after the whole Chris Beard saga went down and really just the start of the off season felt like every day was like a week. So to already be within a month or so of the season starting is absolutely incredible. Time has definitely gone fast, as you mentioned. And you also mentioned that we've already broken down a lot of these guys in a lot more detail than we will today. So if you missed those earlier in the off season, feel free to just browse our feed. Look for these guys' names if you're looking for a more in-depth look. But I think that we're going to give you a really good overarching consensus on these guys. And where we want to start is with a guy that I am personally most excited about and that I think that I'm more bullish than pretty much anyone else, and that's Sardar Calhoun, the transfer from Florida State. Um, He averages just over five points per game, almost a rebound and a half, and then a little over an assist and a half per game last year. Most importantly, though, he shot 39.7% from deep, and that's going to be something we are going to talk about extensively. But, I mean, we've talked about him a lot, you and I, Emery, especially me, because I'm just very optimistic about what he can do and what he can bring. But for those that have missed that, those talks, obviously with me, it starts with his shooting. He's just a really talented shooter. He's a natural shooter. Um, You can just see it, his fundamentals, his form, his release point, he's just, he's got it. And it's really hard to describe without looking at the tape. So just do yourself a favor, YouTube, Sardar Calhoun, and and you'll get a glimpse of just how pure his shot is. The ball just moves really well out of his hands. And I think that's going to be an area that he does a ton of damage for this Texas Tech team. 
but he's also a really good athlete, and that that kind of jumps out on his JUCO tape more than it did at Florida State because he was playing a little bit more of a conservative role, obviously under Leonard Hamilton. But yeah, he he can jump out of the gym, and he's he's a pretty quick on his feet. I think there's a little bit of movement to be done there, and his feet can get a little bit quicker. But he's a fast guy and a good athlete, and I think that's a very important skill set to have as a wing. But Emery, over the past few months, as you've just kind of dug into Calhoun, what have you seen on the tape? Yeah, I mean, I think the two things that obviously stand out are the shooting and the athleticism. The shooting, I mean, especially in Juco, he's an out, he's an outstanding shooter, both off the dribble and catch and shoot. And we really didn't get to see as much of it at Florida State. The percentages really don't do him justice. And I think some of that was his own doing in terms of shot selection. Some of it's just the way that Leonard Hamilton kind of constructs his teams down in Tallahassee. But ultimately, I mean, Calhoun's a guy that can shoot 42% any given season and not be a surprise. Like, this dude is one of the most naturally gifted shooters that we've seen in the country in the recruiting show in the last few years. And really, I mean, you look at his Juco tape, especially, and you see a guy that can hit off the dribble. He can hit from deep. He's got a very quick release off the dribble, which allows him to kind of get that shot up. And also, as someone that's 6'6", it allows him to shoot over people. He's pretty good on contests. But I do think that's something I'm going to get into in a minute in terms of maybe a little bit of a flaw. But first off, I mean, again, lethal shooter and scorer in general. Those are things he can really bring to the table. And then also the athleticism. I mean, you mentioned his foot speed and maybe not being up to par. I would tend to agree, but I think that's more of a minor limitation defensively. I don't think it's something that's like egregiously bad. Like it, I don't see that being a huge hindrance. Um, but man, I mean, you look at his burst and his vertical, those are two things that for a wing I see as being very important. I think especially with the burst aspect of it, it allows him to be someone that can be an on-ball player, even though his actual handle probably isn't as developed as you would like it to be. I mean, he's someone that can create create his own shot at the rim, get to the rim effectively. And really it's all in his athleticism because I don't really think his on-ball skill is quite as advanced as say Davion Warren or obviously Kevin McCullough or TJ Shannon, but yet he can still create some of those looks for himself just off the nature of his athleticism. So those are the two main things that stick out to me is for him as a player. Obviously I think the defense off the ball, I think, out of FSU's wings, I would say he was one of the more inconsistent ones. And then certainly on the ball, the foot speed is still something that limits him a little bit, but he's certainly a competent defender. He had, he had pretty good instincts at FSU. And I think as a whole, he's someone that you can really look at as just having an all-around package. I mean, obviously you bring in the scoring that he has in the shooting, and that's going to be an asset on any team that he plays on. But yeah, I mean, he's someone that can really impact the game around the board. And especially those are ty- the types of guys that you want to have, guys that can shoot really well, can create their own shot, and then can hold their own on the defensive end. I love that you brought up the fact that there were just certain parts of his game that didn't really get to jump out at Florida State. And that's just a matter of a fact of playing for a coach who just recruits wings like it's his day job, because it is. And that's just what Leonard Hamilton has done so well for so long and he's just built these rotations that are full of lengthy guys that just wreak havoc on defenses and shoot the ball well and then play very good defense and that is that is hard to accelerate in whenever you're a juco guy and you're playing amongst 
four- and five-star guys, guys that would go on to be top picks in the NBA draft. Now, I'm not saying that that's impossible, but I do think that it's easy to look at Calhoun and say, yeah, it kind of makes sense that he got buried in this rotation, and it might be less of things to do with him and more about just the, the stature of this rotation, how good other guys were. But, I mean, we both mentioned his Duco tape a little bit. I mean, when you look at what he did, at Missouri West Plains. It is very, very impressive stuff. His sophomore year, he averaged over 18 points per game and shot over 45% from deep. I mean, just think about that. That's almost 50% of his shots. And this guy was not not being conservative with the amount of attempts he was taking. This guy had a green light at all times, was taking plenty of shots per game. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was a very high-volume shooter and he was making a lot of them. And so I think that that's really going to be the key for him to stand out and to earn minutes at Texas Tech. And it would not surprise me if we look up at some point next season and he's the best shooter on this team. I think that he'll shoot higher than 40% from deep next season. Now, I don't think he'll have the volume that he had at Missouri West Plains. I think he'll be closer to a Florida State-type role but I do think that he'll play a little bit more, which we'll talk about next. But, I mean, I I just really like the idea of him being a guy that just plays off the ball. You can throw it to him in the corner, and he's going to make the shot. And then when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, just cutting from corner to corner and trying to use that athleticism to create space from his defender and go up and get an easy basket. And I just think that 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 kind of role for him is going to work really, really well. Um, and, I mean, you want to talk about glue guys? Like, I think that this, this might be your dude next year. I think this might be your glue guy because, I mean, he's, he's not going to be a guy that we look up and we're like, oh, the star of this team is Sardar Calhoun. I don't think that will be the case, but if we think about on a night-to-night impact and, like, status, who is providing the most value in areas of the game that no one else can? And I think that's where Sardar Calhoun can come in. Now, like you mentioned, the defense, I think on his foot speed where it stood out to me was when he's kind of like moving backwards and trying to keep up with the defender getting to the rim. I think that's where I saw him get beat a handful of times on tape, but I do think that he can be an efficient on-ball defender. And so you're talking about blueprint 3 and D guy, and I think that those kind of players are some of the most valuable in all of college basketball. And I think with the system that Mark Adams and his staff are going to run, I think that's going to be just such a huge, huge thing. And if he can come to life in the player that I think he will be, I think it's going to be immensely valuable. But Emory, what do you think? Kind of what else have you seen on his offense and his defense that that you think he'll be able to carry into Lubbock? I mean, I think as an off-ball shooter, he's as dangerous as they come. And, I mean, that's a huge weapon to have in the rotation. I mean, obviously, you've got guys on the roster that can shoot. It's not like Kevin O'Banner or TJ Shannon or even someone like Miley Wilson are complete non-shooters. And obviously, you've got guys throughout the roster that can shoot. Obviously, you've got Buzo. But in general, I mean, shooting something that's a little bit of a question mark for Tech and – Calhoun's about as sure-handed as they come. I mean, we have essentially a three-year sample now of him being a 40% college shooter. And mind you, a lot of those looks, at least in, at the JUCO level at Missouri West Plains, 
those were looks that were pretty difficult compared to what you would expect for your normal 45% three-point shooter as he, as he was at that level. So obviously you have the shooting. I think the explosiveness is probably the most unique trait that he has for someone that's in his role, though. I mean, he's a guy that can play as a potential ball handler to some degree. Obviously, it's going to be mainly just about creating his own shot, but his ability to create his own shot and have that explosiveness while also being such a lethal shooter both on and off the ball, that's something that you really don't see a lot of out of those 3 and D wing guys just because they might have the ability to kind of catch lobs or whatnot, but you've seen him with experience in creating his own shot. Now, is that going to be the role that he plays a lot of? I would say he's going to be more of a floor spacer, just an outstanding shooter and more of a cutter. But still, I mean, you have someone with that skill set, and it's very nice to have because it introduces more versatility in the roster. And then on the defensive end, I'm with you. I think when when teams actively actively attacked him with more aggressive guards, with guys that kind of willingly drove in the lane and forced him to kind of take a stance defensively, I feel like he struggled at times just sort of keeping pace. He would get stuck kind of flat-footed going backwards like you mentioned backpedaling maybe was a little bit of a concern with him but certainly he's not someone that makes any sort of egregious errors and I think the foot speed on average he'll be fine because again you're going to probably limit his his on-ball defense his point of attack defense to some degree and I also think that it's not that bad in the first place and so you're looking at a guy that's probably second or third quartile defender and when you combine that with his shooting and his explosiveness and really just his ability to be such an efficient scorer, that's someone you really want to have on the roster. And you mentioned a glue guy. I think that's an accurate term because I feel like he's someone that you can stick in any lineup and he's going to find a role to have. And I feel like, especially with the shooting, that's something that you really need in this day of college basketball. Because I don't think he's going to be the main headline in that many games, but he certainly has the talent to be a major impact and I think he has the consistency as a shooter and as a scorer, and even to some degree as a defender, to be able to bring it night in and night out and be someone that Tech can depend on to just kind of get them through the season. Because there are going to be nights when Shannon or O'Banner or McCuller have, or Bresson Williams, for example, have these off nights that might make it harder on the offense. And having a guy like Calhoun that you know can step up in his role is so valuable to have and someone that I'm really excited to watch. Yeah, and I think this is a guy that you don't you don't want to be the headliner in a sense. Like, I think his game is at its best when he's just able to kind of be an accessory and like just provide value in areas that like no one else can. Like, I don't think that there are guys on this team that that can fit this role as well as he can. Um, just in this three and D wing type player, I think that if he really grows into his game and then he can play unlike anybody else on this roster and you mentioned there are plenty of other guys who there's reasons to be optimistic about their shooting but man I really think Calhoun can be special um, and a really important glue guy on this team if he can kind of grow into himself and so I think obviously the big question that we need to wrap things up with is just where does he fit I mean this is a rotation that has clearly been built to be versatile and adaptive and there's a lot of guys that can do that. And it's going to be hard for like this rotation to really solidify into itself just because there's so many talented players. But I mean, we've both, we've both said this thought at this point, I do think that shooting is going to be a need on this team. I think it's a question mark right now, 
I think it's probably the biggest question mark on this team right now, at least from what I've seen individually on tape and trying to bring that all in and conglomerate it into an idea of what this team could look like. Obviously, that could change by week two of the season because this is just an inference. It's just the best guess. I think that shooting and playmaking are the two things that I think could be the biggest hurdles for this team. But I don't have any reason right now to be anything other than optimistic about Calhoun shooting. I mean, even if he comes in and shoots the numbers that he did at Florida State last year, that's a 40% shooter on your team. That's that any day of the week you'll take that. In any day of the week, a guy like that is going to get minutes. And so I really think if he can if he can grow into that role as an off-ball 3 and D guy, um, he's going to play a lot of minutes on this team. He's going to be a big-time player on this team. Not a headliner, not a showstopper, not a premier player, but he's going to be a guy that wins games for this team that, it's, that just isn't obvious. Like, he might not be the guy taking the buzzer beater, but what he did with eight minutes left in, in the second half is going to be something that really solidifies wins for this team. And so, like, I said it time and time again on this podcast and, like, just kept, like, being told to touch the brakes a little bit. But I do think that there's a very realistic scenario where he can play himself into a starter role, especially if the shooting deficit is worse than I imagine it will be right now. But... Yeah, I think this is a guy that's going to be playing a lot of minutes. And I, I admittedly take a very conservative stance in the off season and kind of say, hey, this is just my opinion. But I would be really surprised if I'm looking up and it's January and February and Sardar Calhoun is not playing a lot of minutes. But, Emery, what do you think? I mean, I think he stands a reasonable chance to be one of the first two guys off the bench from game one. And so feasibly – that's within the range of possibility of getting starter minutes and being in the lineup. But I don't think that's necessarily going to be a consistent thing night in and night out. I think he's going to have to really kind of earn that solidified spot. And that's something we're going to have to see over the course of the season. But yeah, I mean, his skill set is just, is something that you need to have in modern college basketball. And especially with the amount of self creators and some of the skills that tech has across the rest rest of the roster with defense athleticism you've got guys in the lineup that can really create their own shot even if they aren't necessarily the greatest of playmakers so you need to have that spacing around them and you need to have guys that can play that three and d pace and space type of role and i mean calhoun fits that to the t and i think i mean you're gonna see him get minutes from day one i'm pretty bullish on him being up there in the rotation. I don't know about cracking the starting lineup again. I think that kind of depends on how the season evolves, but I would say that you can expect him to be an integral part of the rotation from the get go. And I think I'm comfortable saying that just because of his experience, the skill set that he has being at a premium in today's game, and also just being, just looking at the rest of Tech's roster, he can kind of fit a need in both shooting and being a scorer that. I mean, the rest of the roster can be built so much for versatility and defense, and Calhoun does provide that, but he also just gives you the natural ability. And when you have someone that shoots that well, that's something that you're going to find ways to fit in the rotation. And, I mean, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to play out over the season, but I would be willing to bet that at some point he works his way into the starting lineup or at a minimum is getting heavy minutes throughout conference season. 
You always keep me grounded, Emery. If it wasn't for you, this podcast would just be a bonfire of my hot takes. But, I mean, I'm with you. Calhoun going to be a good player, man. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. He's going to be a guy that just quietly becomes one of the most important players in the Big 12. Not a guy who's going to lead the league in points per game or any major statistical category, but, but a guy that's going to be like a like a Christian Braun and just kind of does things that wins you games and provides a role that no one else can. And so I'm excited to watch him play basketball. I really, really am because I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people. But the next guy we're going to talk about is also somebody who comes in with some experience, and that is Adonis Arms, the transfer from Winthrop. He averaged 10.5 points, over 4.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, and almost a steal per game. But here's where things get really interesting. He only played about 17 minutes per game last year at Winthrop, and he was essentially their sixth man. Don't think he started a game last year. I could be wrong. might have been one or two. But, I mean, he, he put up those numbers, and that, that's quite an, like a, an important impact in a low amount of minutes. And whenever he committed to Tech in the offseason, I remember there were a lot of questions being asked about, hey, why why didn't this guy play more? This is concerning that um, he only got to play 17 minutes per game. And I know that we have wasted a lot of verbal ink on this show um, kind of talking about this, but I'll just reiterate what I've said time and time again. His minutes per game should not be a factor at all whenever we're gauging his, his playing level or his skill set. Um, I think that's a good rule of thumb. I don't think that that's a universal truth whenever we're talking about basketball, but I think that's a good rule of thumb. And I think it's especially true when you look at this Winthrop team last year, because their rotation was just wild. I mean, there were like 11 guys getting really solid burn every night, like double digit minutes per game. That's, that's pretty crazy. Um, And so I don't think that it should be a factor or a concern at all. I think look at those numbers and, and use those minutes per game as as a source of optimism for what he could do, um, whether he plays more minutes in Lubbock or if he plays less minutes and he's still able to produce in very key areas like he did last season off the bench. But Emery, just what do you think? What did you think about his, his role at Winthrop in the playing time? Yeah, I mean – for me, his role is not really concerned at all. Like you mentioned, Winthrop had a really unique rotation last year. I mean, they played 10 guys between 25 and 60% of their minutes over the course of the season and 11 guys over that 25% mark. They really only had one guy in Chandler Varden who played a majority of the minutes every night. Other than that, it was really kind of a mixture of guys getting minutes each night. And I mean, when you look at their roster, Arms was still a really impactful player. I mean, he's someone had a good BPM. His shooting ability and his self-creation was still important to the team. It's not like he was just an average role player. I mean, the guy had a usage rate that rivaled that of someone like Davion Moore and obviously a little bit lower. But the difference was he only played 17 minutes a night, and it was on a team that objectively at the mid-major level was really good. I mean, they only lost one game. So clearly their formula worked in just outrunning teams and being able to play that 
that style of play where they were able to run with so many different guys every night and just kind of continuously subbing. So I look at that as being more just the style that Winthrop decided to go go with with their rotation. But, I mean, you got to see everything you wanted to see in arms. I mean, he's a guy that can really fill it up. I mean, we mentioned – we mentioned the stat line you did at the beginning where you said he averaged 10.5 points per game in 17 minutes. I want you to think about that for a second, anyone that's listening, because 10 points per game for reference is very similar to what a lot of starters or guys that are playing high amounts of minutes. That's a pretty good average. Someone like Marco Wilson from Utah State, I remember, averaged right at that 10 point per game mark. And he was someone that was playing on the wing and getting really solid minutes. But if you abstract that to a 40-minute basketball game, you're suddenly talking about a guy that would be averaging close to 24 points a game. And, I mean, that's just it's wild to think about because that's someone – Adonis Arms is someone that many people haven't really looked at as being an elite scorer, but he absolutely on low volume showed last year that he could really put up points. I mean – you had games where he was putting up double digits and really consistently getting that mark. I mean, I looked through his box scores and game logs and obviously watching him play a few times. It looked like every night he was able to get his points and it really kind of came in a quiet fashion, but yeah, every game he was able to have that impact in just a short amount of time that he was on the court. And I mean, that's something tech fans are going to look at the minutes that he got last year. And I also think you can look to some degree at the efficiency and conclude that maybe he's a guy that really is just kind of a low-level mid, mid-major role player that didn't really shoot that well. But just the sheer amount of points he was able to put up and the fact that when he was on the court, he was playing a very aggressive role. That shows that clearly the coaching staff at Winthrop really trusted him because really there wasn't any other player on the roster that got that level of that level of aggressiveness that they were allowed to play with with that few amount of minutes. And I mean – Again, Winthrop was a good team last year. They knew what they were doing. It's not like they benched arms and didn't give him many minutes and they weren't a good team. So, I mean, I'm confident that his role last year is indicative is not indicative of the type of player he is. I mean, I think there are certainly points that he has to improve on as a player, and I'm not overly optimistic in terms of him getting major minutes at Tech, but not anything because of the role or – anything based off of his performance just in limited minutes last year. I think it's more more to do with what he is as a player and how he kind of fits with the roster as opposed to anything anything grave about the role he played last year, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I think that there are areas of his game that um, while, while the per 40 numbers are really crazy and what he was able to do offensively, you kind of also see – the negative effects of being asked to do so much in such a short amount of time. And most notably was the turnover struggles uh, over to a game. That's not, it's not really efficient. And that's not something you want from a guy that's not really a primary ball handler to be averaging that many assists in such a short amount of time. And then also the shooting just, just over 52% on, on true shooting percentage. That's, that's not great. Um, the, the shot from deep, I think there's a reason for optimism on it, sort of. I think that there were a few times I watched him shoot from the corner over this off season when I was watching the film where he shot it from the corner and it looked good. But just like above the break, dead center, it just didn't look the same. It's almost like he's more comfortable shooting from the corner, which is really weird 
could have been small sample size, just as I was kind of trying to pick up whatever film I could find on him. But yeah, I mean, they, there are definitely some, some flaws and some imperfections to his game. But I do think that this year, being around different guys and in a different role will be helpful. And most importantly, where I think that starts is just having the ball in his hands less. I, I don't think that it really capitalizes on what he can do best as a basketball player. I think he was asked to do a little bit too much last year, um, which sounds kind of crazy whenever you look at his, like the minutes that he was playing. But I do think that they were just trying to string too much out of him. And I don't really see him being a guy that should be initiating the offense or playmaking very frequently. I think that maybe this is something you tap into um, as like a secondary playmaker guy. But I just I just don't really love what I saw on film in regard to that aspect of his play. Now, he made some good passes. Don't get me wrong. The vision is there. And, and the basketball IQ is there, but I do think it needs to get cleaned up. And I don't think that you want to go through the struggle of cleaning that up where you could just ask him to be a little bit more modest about it and, and play sort of this off-ball role of being almost like a guy like Calhoun. Like, I think if he can fit into that role, Obviously, the shock's going to come around a little bit more for him to be regarded as a 3-and-D guy, but I do think that that low, lower volume off-the-ball role will be helpful for him. Emery, I think you disagree with me from the last time we talked about his playmaking, if I remember correctly, but how do you, what do you think whenever you look at the, the turnover numbers and the shooting numbers and think about what's going to happen whenever he's playing at United Supermarkets Arena? So I do think that I disagree a little bit. I think it really just stems from what I've used optimizing him as a player because off the ball, I'm not overly convinced of him being a very positive shooter at this point. I think, like you mentioned, there are times where he looks more comfortable. There were points last year where his wing shot really looked smooth from the corner, like you knew it was going in. But also, it's hard to really put a word on it, but just when he was shooting off the ball, it didn't look like the most comfortable for him. And I also feel like his ability to play as a secondary playmaker, I mean, there's definitely points where he tried to do too much, and I think that's something that Tech's going to have to get cleaned up and certainly something that I'm a little bit concerned about when you look at projecting his role. But I also think trying to fit him into an off-ball role where he's utilized a lot as a shooter just kind of doesn't doesn't do his game style as much justice. I feel like it would as I feel like I would like, because at the end of the day, I mean, you've got a guy that still was able to create his own shot effectively. I mean, he was pretty good, decent efficiency, playing almost exclusively on the ball. When you look at him creating his look outside of the three-point shooting, which was obviously a large portion of that was playing as a spot-up guy, but anything inside the arc and really as a facilitator, he was asked to do a lot with the ball. And I think guys that play with that much usage at the lower level and don't really have that three-point prowess to be an elite off-ball shooter. I feel like in a lot of ways it's more beneficial to maybe look at them as more of a gadget guy and kind of on lower volume, trying to put him in situations where he can experiment with that secondary ball handling. I don't think it's an exact situation. I would certainly expect him to get more off-ball run, and I think it's not like a dire situation. I don't think he's going to be horrible in that role or entirely ineffective. I just think maybe maximizing him as a player, basically to get the best out of Adonis Arms, I think making him more of a three-point, making him more of a 
on-ball guy, a secondary ball handler, that gives him the most potential. Now, does he fit in in that role with his team? That's something that we're going to have to see. And I don't know if he's going to be able to get many minutes like that, but I definitely think that serves the best chance of optimizing his talents. I really like that that's the tangent that you went on there because I think that's really the source of maybe where our disagreement lies and that it's just like, where can Adonis Arms get himself in a position to play the most minutes on this team? And, like, I'm looking at these, like, gadgety wing guards that are going to play minutes, I think, at a high level. So guys like Davion Warren, um, Miley Wilson, Kevin McCuller, obviously, Terrence Shannon Jr., obviously. Um, there's a lot of guys that fit into that role. But if you only have one guy, like like a, a Sardar Calhoun, or I think that Buzo, I think I have Buzo ahead of arms right now and kind of the rough rotation that I've been drafting over the last few weeks. But I just, I don't know if he can really break into a large scale role really with either of our options, honestly. Like, I don't know if there's a way for him to outcompete a Davion Warren or a Miley Wilson right now. And I don't think that he's going to be able to shoot the ball well enough, like you mentioned, to kind of compete with a Sardar Calhoun or a Buzo in a 3 and D role. So I think he's going to be a middle to the low end of the rotation kind of guy. Um, I think the development of the shot this offseason is going to be a big key. And then kind of like like you mentioned, just figuring out where, where he fits. Like, is he going to be an off-ball guy or is he going to be an on-ball guy? And I think that you can use him as both throughout points of the season, but I think it's going to be difficult just for him to be a guy that consistently shows up on the court without having a solid idea of kind of who he is and where he provides the most value. But I do think the defense is good. I don't think we've talked a lot about that um, here. I think his defense is pretty good, um, especially on the ball. Like I mentioned, that shot in the corner, I think there's something there where he might be a little bit of a better shooter um, than he's getting credited for. And then just what does he do when the ball is in his hands? I think there's more questions than answers right now. And just with how much depth is on this team, I don't think that that's doing him any favors at all. But Emery, kind of what do you think? Where do you see him fitting in? Um, And just like you mentioned, maybe using that on-ball role, how would that help him or hurt him with his rotation? Well, I think as a player, being on the ball with his current skill set probably maximizes what he can do the most. Um, It would certainly, I mean, certainly there's aspects that he has to clean up. The turnovers, he kind of got a little bit greedy with passes and had some sort of major errors just kind of trying to do too much last year but certainly I mean he's got the vision to be able to play in that role and I think obviously his ability to create his own shots pretty good Um, but like you mentioned I mean that's a very strange role to try to get into on this team just because of the sheer amount of talent that you have kind of already occupying those guard sauce guys that can create their own shot operate as secondary ball handlers and I'm not sure that he can necessarily outperform those guys when it comes to it just because of the experience and the array of talent that they have and then off the ball I mean I think if you're looking at an avenue that's maybe less crowded serving as a pure off-ball player would be the answer to that because that's something where you're looking at Sadar Calhoun, Shuzabla, talking to a few other guys as well I mean Davion Warren I would assume plays somewhat in that role but in general I mean you've got less 
the pure talent on that side of things, but you also have a skill set that I'm not sure necessarily maximizes him. It's not something shooting threes consistently. I don't know if that's his best route unless he's made major steps with his shot this offseason, which is entirely possible. I mean, we'll see that throughout the season. If he's progressed as a shooter, then maybe that all fall well someone becomes a huge weapon for him. And I do think you touched on the defense. I want to touch on it too. I think that is potentially a major way for him to get on the court in some sort of volume. It's just his defensive effort. He's someone that can play play a variety of different roles just because he's got good length. He's got good anticipation. And I think he can guard certain guards. His foot speed maybe isn't quite what you would want to be able to guard pure ones, but certainly he can guard some ball handlers and he's plenty athletic enough and plenty long enough to be able to handle all the way up through the wing ranks. And so just having that on-ball ability and then obviously he can fit a couple of different awful defensive roles. They actually used him some weak side, which I thought was pretty funny at Winthrop. But in general, I mean, he's a guy that can fulfill a variety of different roles and that's going to give him some spot minutes. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to put him in the rotation consistently. Yeah, Arms is a very, very interesting case. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, my my, my approach in the offseason is to try and be conservative and say, hey, there's a lot I don't know and that I haven't seen. And that's definitely the case with Arms. I just don't feel comfortable taking a very firm stance on him right now. Um, and I do feel like a lot of that just has to do with maybe, maybe like he doesn't even know what role he's going to fill at Texas Tech. And maybe the coaching staff is still trying to figure that out themselves. But that's just my best guess. We're just here to take guesses, and I do think that there are certainly attributes of arms and his game that can help him earn minutes, but there are also things he needs to solidify and work on. So we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, we've still got to talk about K.J. Allen and Texas Tech's newest commit, Robert Jennings. All right, we're back. Short little break. We just got done talking about Adonis Arms and Sardar Calhoun. Now we're going to talk into Two of the younger guys, two of the guys where I think there's a lot of question marks, especially with the guy that we're about to talk about, but guys that are both exciting and have a lot of bounce. And so you probably can already tell we're talking about K.J. Allen, obviously the star from East Los Angeles Community College, featured on the popular Netflix show Last Chance U in the first edition of their basketball series. Um, Just put up huge numbers while he was there was kind of the guy, um, averaged about 18.5 points, 9.3 rebounds, and two steals per game as a freshman in 2019, which is really impressive. Um, did not play last season due to COVID-19, but, um, I mean, we, we, we've kind of seen what he's like um, through a very poor film study through Netflix, um, and I say that because I don't think that using a docu-series is a good way to get a gauge at a guy's entire game, but I do think that it's a way to kind of pick up on some nuggets and and see where where he can provide value. And so I think that that starts, obviously, with the athleticism. Like I mentioned, dude can jump out of the gym. We've seen that all this offseason on Texas Tech socials. Um, we saw that at, at ELCC. Um, just a guy that's got a lot of bounce, can dump the ball really well. And, I mean, he's just talented. Highly recruited prospect out of high school was going to go to USC this year before Mark Adams scooped him up and making made him his first commit of his head coaching career at Texas Tech. But um, there's a lot of questions when it comes to Allen. Um, kind of played on the wing last year but didn't make a single three 
or I guess I should say in 2019, but didn't make a single three that season, which is interesting and something you don't hear a lot of at the Big 12 level. So Emory, just where do you see him contributing this year, kind of with the concerns with his shooting, um, his defense, obviously, he's kind of kind of a bigger wing, and then just his ability to be productive in a Big 12 offense. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of those things are somewhat of a concern, specifically talking about the shooting. I mean, if you want to play on the wing in the Big 12, you're probably going to have to have some semblance of shooting and ball handling ability. And I think the ball handling, there's a little bit of promise relative to his size, but the shooting is something where he's really going to have to develop that to be able to play more of a wing role. And I just don't think he's quite there yet. But his athleticism is going to get him opportunities at some point throughout the season. I mean, you've got a guy that I think is really, really athletic. And in terms of body build, explosiveness, athleticism, if you were to do an overall athleticism check of the entire Tech roster, I would say K.J. Allen probably is the best mixture of sheer strength and athleticism on the team. And that's not something I say lightly. I mean, Tech has a lot of really explosive guys on the roster. TJ Shannon comes to mind. You've got guys like Miley Wilson that are no sashes of their own. So, I mean, just to have that level of athleticism and strength on on your roster is impressive. And certainly KJ is a guy that can really utilize that. I mean, he's a highlight maker. There's no other way around it. You see him throwing down windmills, what seems like every other week on tech socials. You see on the tape what a what little bit that we were able to see from his JUCO days and obviously the last chance you, which I'm not sure gives a great picture of him, but it's certainly just a way to get introduced to him as a character and him as a player. But, I mean, his athleticism stands out. But obviously those two weaknesses of being – not necessarily a shooter, offensive player in general in terms of just refinement. And then also his defense, I think at the Juco level, it's hard to get a good gauge because, again, you're playing – the guard play typically isn't at the level that you would see at high major, and the coaching isn't quite as refined in terms of finding ways to exploit mismatches. And I really feel like that's something that you're going to see is if, if Tech brings out KJ in a wing baseline of where he's playing at the three – specifically, and having two guys, two bigs around him. I just don't see it as being a good fit defensively simply because he's going to be asked to guard guys that can really take advantage of his foot speed and just kind of lack of refinement as a perimeter defender. But that's something that he can work on in the next year. So I certainly don't think it's the end-all, be-all for him. But as of now, I mean, I see him more as a big if he's going to get any major minutes on this year's team. And obviously with how stacked that is, that's going to be difficult to do. But, I mean, certainly you've got the skill set there to be an intriguing talent. I mean, he's someone with so much explosiveness. The dunking is incredible. He's a good rebounder, good interior presence offensively, and can, is kind of creative in being able to work his way into the paint to get those shots. So certainly there's stuff to work with. I'm just not sure if it's going to be there this year. You brought up a really interesting point in that it's just really difficult to imagine him playing alongside two other bigs. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's a scenario that can happen at all for Texas Tech. I mean, if we're being completely honest, I think that if that lineup is getting thrown out onto the floor, uh, something is wrong. Something is very wrong. And I think that the only way that we would see that is, 
either in a blowout in non-con or there's way more injuries on this team than I'd ever like to imagine. But I think that there are three guys on this team that I just have a really difficult time talking myself fully into and staying very cautiously optimistic, and that's Daniel Baccio, Ethan Duncan, and K.J. Allen. And here's the thing. All these guys are young. All these guys have very limited tape available, and so I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong about all of them. I hope they all prove me wrong. But I'm just being very, very cautious with what I've seen from Allen and thinking about what kind of role he can play next year. Um, I think that if he's used as a wing and if that's kind of the philosophy going forward, there there's not really any scenario where I can be talked into where he's getting a good number of minutes consistently. I just don't think that that's – I don't think that that's plausible or efficient or – I just don't think it's useful. I just don't think that he can really be the player where he could be most useful on this team and play that role. And, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Like, if shooting is going to be a problem for this team, you cannot have a guy playing the three that did not make a single shot from deep the last year he played college basketball, and then you're running him alongside a guy like Marcus Santos Silva. Like, that's just going to be really difficult to pull off in high volume. And so I think that, man, if he plays like that three role that he played a lot at ELCC, I just don't think that he's going to be able to crack this rotation. Now, here's an area where I think that there's a lot of potential and where if you want to start talking to me about this, I think that I'm going to start to click a little bit more with you and kind of get more aligned with what you're thinking in terms of Allen. I think as a small ball four or even – even as a small ball five at times, I think that there's some potential here. There's something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's going to be useful. I don't know if it's going to make Allen a guy that's playing basketball every night. But I think that there's just really interesting. He's a strong dude. He's a big dude. And he actually, I think he thinned out quite a bit um, this offseason. It looked like uh, Darby Rich kind of got him in the gym. Um, but I do think that you can kind of throw him down low and see what happens. Let him run the pick and roll. Think about this guy in the pick and roll. If he if he got a little bit lighter, that'd be huge. Just as a just as a rim runner guy, I think that that'd be an easy way for him to get a couple of baskets a night instead of trying to stand on the wing and make something happen without a shot. I think that that kind of role is where I I see it. I see the potential. I still don't know if I'm there, but I think that that's where he can be most useful to this Texas Tech team. But Emory, what do you think? I mean, just looking at him. What do you think he can do? What what role does he fit? And then how much does he play in either of those roles? Yeah, I think you fit it right on the head with the small ball four and five. I mean, that's the way that you're going to be able to maximize his effectiveness. Maybe not defensively per se. I still think I have question marks about his ability to defend the interior and be a rim protector consistently as well. But offensively, certainly. I mean, you get a guy like KJ Allen as a role man and really a rim runner, to put put it in simple terms. And that's something that Tech could really utilize. Now, I think the problem there is you have so many minutes allocated to bigs already. And I don't see the point in giving someone major minutes just to be a rim runner when you already have Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, Marcus Santos Silva, who are critical to the success of the team, taking up minutes as bigs that – are probably going to have to overlap their minutes somewhat. But feasibly, you want to have at least one or two of the – at least one of those guys 
for all 40 minutes and two, two of them on the court for a decent chunk of time as well. So just looking at the minutes allocation, it's hard to see him getting many minutes in that role, as intriguing as it might be. I think it could certainly be a spark option. I do think we're going to see some of it in non-con. But, I mean, it's really the same hurdle that you could also see with Daniel Bacho, just kind of the lack of the lack of opportunity as a big is going to be something that really hurts Allen, even though I think it might be, at least this year, what best maximizes the skill set. And then as well as that, just going forward just this year, you're really looking at a guy that's going to have to fight an upwards battle to be able to get any sort of minutes. Although I do think certainly in conference play, it's not like he's going to totally disappear. I mean, there's certain situations where you want to have that energizer, a real athletic guy that can run down both ends of the court, get a huge dunk, stuff like that. But ultimately, I mean, it's hard to see him carving out a consistent role with with this year. And I think it's not an indictment on him as a player. He's still got a ton of promise. Like I said, I mean, I think he's probably the most physically gifted player on this roster. So you can really work with that. Yeah, you said something that if I feel like this was a written podcast, which which doesn't make any sense, but if if we were riding right now, we would like italicize this year. Because I think that you're looking at a team with three like very good bigs. Like maybe one of the best big rotations in the Big Twelve. Like I'd feel pretty confident about saying that they're top two at least. Um and so I think that man, Al Allen just kind of gets indirectly hurt by that. And I think that that's kind of going to be the role, but I think that that's important. And I think that that's going to be useful. And if he's a guy that's still here in 2022, I think that he'll be better as a result of just, just being able to like grow and learn from these guys and uh, maybe get a little bit quicker, maybe work on the shot a little bit more. But I think like in a, if if the world was normal and, and the COVID season didn't make eligibility really weird for everyone, I would almost say take this as a redshirt year. But, I mean, now, obviously, not really any point. It's a free year, essentially. Um, so just throw him into games whenever you want. Um, but I do think that he'll be better as a result of this season. Um, but, yeah, that's K.J. Allen. Um, rim running, obviously, going to be the bread and butter where he kind of play, plays minutes on this team. And another guy that is a really good rim runner and that I think will be a very good rim runner at Texas Tech is Robert Jennings, um, who committed to Texas Tech last Thursday. Um, he's a 6'7 forward from DeSoto, has a lot of explosiveness, like I mentioned, especially on the way to the basket, um, plays above the rim a lot. Um, what I've seen from him on tape, haven't gotten to see him in person yet. Hope that will change very soon. Very tenacious rebounder. Dude just bangs around down low and will get his own. He's not going to let somebody out-rebound him. Um, just projects the ball off the rim really well, which is a really difficult skill to develop. Um, kind of Marco Santos Silva-esque, like a guy that's not the biggest but just knows where the ball is going and is going to go get it. I think that, that I think that that's just the biggest thing with him. And I mean, like, I think that he's just, he just plays with a lot of effort. He's got a really high motor. The shot is developing. I think it could become something. Um, I don't know where it's going to be at, but I do think that the shot is something right now. Um, and then he just has, like, really good pick-and-roll threat, and I do think that if he's a guy that works on the shot, 
then the pick and pop threat could be big as well. Um, and so I'm intrigued with Jennings. I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see where he ends up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. Emery, what do you think about Robert Jennings? I think he's a guy that you can really see over the course of maybe a year or two develop into a really well-rounded foreman. I mean, certainly as of now, he's kind of got the KJ Allen thing where maybe just him playing more a big role better maximizes his skill. He's a really good rebounder, like you mentioned. That's one of the things that really jumps out to me. Obviously, you've got the explosiveness and the dunking ability. But, I mean, off the bat, that's going to be sort of where he gets minutes. I think his foot speed is probably not where you want it to be to be able to guard some of the more ball-handling-based wings in the Big 12. But I think it can get there. It's easy to forget he's still a high school kid. And it's something that we have to get used to as tech fans just seeing – um, how guys evolve from high school to college just because we've had so many transfers come in this year that you've got guys that already have full college samples of what they can do in their role. And I think Jennings is kind of difficult to project just in terms of the way the just the learning curve that you have to have from going to high school to being a full-fledged high major player in year one. So I think it's a little bit difficult to tell, but certainly he's got the rebounding skill that is very impressive. His athleticism, he's definitely got the body and athleticism to be someone that can make a difference from day one. And, I mean, even the shot, it looks kind of sketchy right now. I think there, he's going to need to really tweak it and refine it. And certainly at the moment, I would not be confident with him doing any sort of on-ball, on-ball activity, but – as a catch-and-shoot guy, I think it's not a total washout. And I would see maybe in the next year or so he can develop it to the point where he can be someone to come in with a base that you can work with and make him into a rotational piece from year one. So I'm excited about it. I think he's got the prerequisite body and athleticism to be an impact player. He's got a good feel for the game. His defensive instincts step out to me as when he's engaged, he can be someone that really – track the ball well he's got good he's obviously got the good explosiveness and leaping ability but his positioning can be very impressive and I think that's something that you look at as translatable to the college level because he's not going to dominate guys physically every night in college like he can on the circuit and in tournaments lately and especially in his high school days but that's a, that's still just an aspect of his the defensive positioning and the rebounding ability are the two things that I look at you want that shows me that he's got a pretty good feel for the game and can be someone that can develop into a high-end rotation piece fairly on attack. And I feel like the shot coming along and just some of the more refined areas that you're going to see him develop once he has a year of strength and conditioning, a year of good college coaching, you're going to see him be able to develop those. So I'm very, I think I'm very optimistic and bullish on what he can become, kind of playing that four, maybe a little bit of hybrid wing role. I think the difficult thing with with what we're doing here and we're trying to envision a team that doesn't exist yet is we're having to think about guys that we've already seen at the collegiate level, and we're trying to think about how they'll play for another college team. But with high school recruiting, we're trying to think about guys that have not played collegiate games and thinking about how they'll fit in at an entire – it's like an entirely different game. It honestly is. 
Um, and so I think that we're really just taking a best guess here. But I will say that I think Jennings is a, is a D1 athlete, like right now. Like dude can jump out of the gym, really good ball player, really gets to the rim well, really gets above the rim well. I think that's something that's going to translate kind of regardless of, of where he's at and what level he's playing at. But um, totally understand the concerns about the shot and where that's at now, the self-creation. I don't think that's going to be really anything that's ever utilized on high volume, but I am excited kind of to see where that uh, catch and shoot goes. Cause I think that could, if he can fit into that pick and pop like role and in play style, I think that's going to be really big for him. And that's, that's even big for him when I'm thinking about like just this class in general and how it's assembled with two guys right now. We've got pop Isaacs, obviously who we talked about on the last episode, I believe. I mean, those two would play the pick-and-roll game and the pick-and-pop game really well. Um, Just thinking about how gifted of a passer Isaacs is and getting the ball to Jennings on the way to the rim. Um, But, yeah, I think there's reason for optimism with Jennings. I think that he could, if he develops that shot a little bit more, I think he could end up as a four-star by the time he gets on campus. But really impressive class so far, two-person class so far by Mark Adams and his staff. I mean, landing two really talented players. Um, I think that one thing that's been key for me is looking at recency of visits. Isaac's committed like less than a week after his official visit um, in Lubbock. I don't know exactly what the timetable was on Jennings, but guys are obviously impressed with the Womble, with the USA, and then I think this staff is just communicating their values really well, which is a win, and that's something that, that needs to be done well in recruiting. But, I mean, Emery, kind of take us to the finish line here, land the plane, what do you think about this class of 2022 so far? I think it's a really good statement against the people that said that Mark Adams can't recruit because you've gotten two guys that had a lot of interest in them. I mean, Pop, Pop Isaacs was a four-star recruit, someone that before he visited Tech, it was maybe not a given that he was going to come here. And they were able to beat out people and then obviously with Robert Jennings you straight up beat Missouri on merit with with getting him to come to tech and certainly I mean the fact that they were able to pull those guys in after just one visit especially for Isaac just within a week and just being able to kind of get him to come in and get Jennings to come in so quickly and are very pretty early in the cycle as well those are those are things that make you optimistic and it's not like they were some like low-level three-star guys. These are guys that have played on the circuit that have kind of the connections throughout the country. I mean, you look at the offer list of the guys that Tech recruited, say, Chris, pre-Chris Beard or even the first year or two that Beard was in Lovick, it really doesn't compare well to what Isaac and what Isaacs and Jennings is a, are able to bring to the table just from an offer and pedigree perspective. And I think both guys have the potential to be really good players from the time that they get here. I think we mentioned Isaac's either last podcast or two podcasts ago. I think it might've been two pods ago, but his ability to play make and just be a really, really effective, maybe sometimes at times over flashy playmaker, something that we haven't really seen out of a tech recruit in a long time. And I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table under Adams with presumably a more fast fast-paced offense, hopefully under Barrett Peary if he's still around when Isaacs plays the bulk of his college ball. And then additionally with Jennings, you've got a guy that has the potential. He's got the body. He's got the athleticism to be a D1 athlete from day one. 
And with some development on the shooting and maybe some on the defensive end as well, you could see him have a critical role. I think both of those guys have the high major pedigree. They've got the ability to play D1 ball at a high level. And I think, it, especially with Isaacs and to some degree with Jennings as well, those are guys that can be on the NBA radar within a year or two coming to Tech. I mean, both of them have NBA bodies and athleticism requisites. They've got skill sets. I mean, Jennings' shot is kind of the one thing that's the swing skill for him, for lack of better for lack of a better term, swing skill is usually used to kind of describe it, something with a prospect that can make them either a really good prospect or kind of mitigate their ability and kind of hinder what their overall talent level can be. But for Jennings, the shot, I mean, you look at what tech could utilize them. You can think of a guy such as like a Zach Smith as kind of the the initial expectation of someone that's super athletic can play off, off of the pick and roll can be a high-level defender with his positioning. But, I mean, if he can develop the shot into being, say, maybe a 35 to 37% catch-and-shoot guy in decent volume, that opens up so much of the pick-and-pop. And with a guy like Isaacs at the point, you're going to get so many opportunities off of that. And, I mean, it really just shows how Mark Adams has been looking to build this program. I mean, everything's been going right. You've got the Womble coming in. You've got a host of different transfers that have – all have different unique skill sets and all can bring something to the table. And you bring in these two recruits that are both pretty high pedigree. Both are guys that I think can be pro basketball players in the future and both can make an impact in tech within a year or two. And that's something you can build a program off of. And I mean, it's, there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about this class. I'm excited to see how it rounds out because tech has still been hitting the recruiting trails hard and even though there's a clear priority on recruiting transfers this year, I certainly think the high school market still has a lot of value to college basketball, just in the fact that you can really develop these guys in-house. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how Jen- Jennings and Isaacs end up. I'm looking forward to seeing how the class rounds out. And I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what type of guys Mark Adams goes after, because if Isaacs and Jennings are any, any indication, those are two guys that you can really look at as, program builders, guys that offer unique skill sets, guys that you want on your team playing heavy minutes just because of the skills they offer and the sheer natural talent and ability that they have. There's definitely a lot to be excited about whenever it comes to these two guys, just in terms of the the raw talent that they have. And, I mean, high school recruiting is difficult right now just because of the nature of the transfer portal, but I think that these are two guys that could definitely have a solid place in the rotation um, and for this team for for however many years they're in Lubbock. And I think there's reason for optimism, and I think there's also reasons to be excited about next year's team. Um, and I think it really starts with, with this wing rotation and thinking about the adaptability and versatility of guys like TSJ, Kevin McCuller, Adonis Arm, Sardar Calhoun, Chibuzo Agba, the list goes on. I mean, there's a ton of guys on this team that can fit into a variety of different roles. And I think that Mark Adams, I mean, it's well well documented how I feel about the way Mark Adams has recruited this team. I think that he has done it in a modern style. I think it's been genius. I think he's done a really good job. And I think kind of the the recruitment of Pop Isaacs and, and Jennings is different in a way, but I also think it's still super smart. He's getting guys that are going to fulfill 
really basic roles on the basketball court, and I think that's really important. But thank you for tuning in this week. A little bit of a longer episode today. Uh, we apologize if there were any technical difficulties throughout the episode. Things always seem to go wrong for Emery and I, but we push through it because it is worth it, and we are glad that you all are willing to tune in. So the next time that we come back, we will be breaking down the bigs, which is obviously huge, huge point of discussion for Texas Tech right now. And like I mentioned earlier, this might be one of the best position groups in the Big 12. And so I think that there's reasons to be excited. I know that I'm really looking forward to bringing you coverage on that next week. But thank you again for tuning in. If you could, just leave us a review wherever you listen. Give us a retweet on Twitter whenever we post these links out. It really helps us out. It really helps more people know us. Every time we get a retweet on Twitter, usually we gain a couple followers, and that means the world to us. We do this for you, and we enjoy doing it. So thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week.